to do to inherit the kingdom of God? He has to be persecuted for righteousness. Anyone else? You've got to believe in God. That helps. You've got to accept. Yeah? What, what do you have to do to inherit the earth? Be a child of God. Yeah? Be an heir of the Father. That helps. So if you have faith like a child, you get the earth. Yes. Okay. You also got to be me. Uh, you, you've been reading the passage for today, haven't you? Uh, what do you have to do to be comforted? Ask. Ask. Comfort others. Okay. Uh, did I ask anyone else? Is the one that I've skipped? What was it? What was it? What did you do? Yep. And that was to be. Yes. And, and, and I think I asked someone as well what do you have to do to get mercy? You don't have to do anything. It's the other person's choice. I just love the fact that look at the back, he's just got this absolute look of what is wrong with you, Nick? <laughs> to ask that question. You don't have to do anything. That's so right. You're reading the passage as well. Okay. Now, if you are under the age of 20, or if you are beautiful and married to me, <laughs> uh, or if you are the helper, so listen, it's amazing. For the rest of you, you might still want to turn your back on me, but that's, that's fine if you want to. <clears throat> We're going to read the Beatitudes, Matthew chapter 5. We're actually going to start from verse 23 of chapter 4. <clears throat> Uh, Jesus traveled throughout the region of Galilee, teaching in synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom, and he healed every kind of disease, illness, and news about him spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or whatever they were possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went, people from Galilee, from towns, Jerusalem, from all over Judea, and from east of the Jordan River. And one day, as he saw the you know what, I was going to read for NLT completely, but I'm skipping NLT today, and I'm moving to the NIV. Um, the NIV has got a slightly better translation here, and I'll explain to you why. Uh, Wayne, could you throw the NIV up for us? I had planned that, by the way. I didn't know when I would skip, but I knew I was going to skip. So, let's start from about... Verse 25, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, uh, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region from the Jordan followed him. And now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Interesting passage, isn't it? Can I just have a show of hands? Who's heard a sermon preached on this passage? Okay, if you've been in the church for more than a few years or four years, put your hands up because I know I've been this passage. In fact, I think I preached it last year. Which is good that none of you remember. So I can just say the same thing again, can't I? Remember, we're in the topic... Uh, we're in the Bible, so the topic is, what, what is the, the most important point of the Bible? What's the overarching theme? Can anyone tell me? Salvation? Close, but that's periphery to the real topic. God's plan? Close, but that's kind of extended of it. Graham and John have got it. God's kingdom. God's kingdom is the, the point of everything. God is in charge. The fact that God has a plan to save us and that God has planned to bring everything together is, is part of God's kingdom. But overarching all of that is that God is God, and what God wants to happen will happen. I guess that might be God's plan. Uh, but God's kingdom. Remember, the kingdom is that place where what you want to happen happens. So you have a kingdom, I have a kingdom. Uh, at the very basic level, our body is our kingdom because it's the sphere where what I want to happen happens. And when our kingdoms are, are uh, invaded, it's, it's a horrible thing. When somebody takes away our, our rights or somebody locks us up or something like that, it's, it's a destruction of our God-given kingdom. Yes, thingy, uh, we, we all have a kingdom. God made us have a kingdom. The very first thing He said, remember, in creation, one of the first things He said was uh, that we should have dominion over the earth, which is kingdom language. We are meant to be kings under God, but remember, God is the ultimate king. What God wants to happen must happen. And, and Jesus, we're going to come to this in a couple of weeks, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The kingdom of God is the place where things are the way God wants them to be. Uh, and we know a little bit about God. We know that God is love. We know that in Him, uh, well, we know that He is the fountain of delights. We know that in Him there is perfect joy and peace and, and, and all things are good. We know that where God is, there is no suffering. We know that where God is, there is, there is nothing wrong, nothing evil, nothing terrible. Where God is, is perfect. God's kingdom, where God, what, the place where what God wants to happen, happens, the place where things are in accordance with God's will is the best place for us to be. We have our own kingdoms, uh, which is wonderful, God made us for that, but our kingdoms also mess up by sin, and, and uh, I tend to go my own way. My kingdoms make the other God, but instead I say, well, I'm going this way, and I... Sometimes it works, doesn't it? Quite often... My kingdom ends up in me getting hurt or you getting hurt or both of us. 
And then my kingdom joins together with John's kingdom, and Reggie's kingdom, and Eric's kingdom, and Margaret's kingdom, and we form the kingdom of this group of people, and then we form a kingdom maybe in your uh, social club forms a kingdom, and then you go to school, and your school forms a kingdom together, a united kingdom, and then you, you join your schools together, and you form a state, and you have the state kingdom, and you join your state together, you have the kingdom of Australia, I know we're not a monarchy, but you know, that, that land is a place where what Australia wants to happen, happens. And that's why we have fights between China and Japan about whose islands are these, because my kingdom, my kingdom, and they... And, and, and then the kingdoms, we, we can even say all the kingdoms of the world come together to form the kingdom of the earth. And, and the problem is, this kingdom of the earth is made up of lots of little broken kingdoms which are standing against God and pushing against God. And so we've got God's kingdom, everything is as it should be, the kingdom of this earth, which, which actually we think is ours, but it's... Satan is there. Satan's kingdom, whether we like it or not. The best life possible is life in God's kingdom. And that's why when Jesus comes, what he says, Matthew summarizes his gospel for us in chapter 4, verse 17. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of the heavens is near. The kingdom of the heavens is near. And at the end of last week's passage, Matthew summarized for us uh, Jesus' work in Galilee of teaching and preaching and healing. Uh, And he tells us how how all these people from all over the world, not the world, but all over the place they are coming to see Jesus, are experiencing the power of the kingdom. See, Jesus isn't just a, another human figure. Matthew's showing us that he is the king, God's king, bringing God's kingdom. He's anointed by God to this task. He is, uh, well, he is God. Come to us. And as he, as he teaches, he teaches of the kingdom. He tells them about the kingdom. And as he heals, and as he casts out demons, and as he, and as he sets the prisoners free, and makes the lame walk and the blind see, it's the kingdom of God coming through and breaking through and going, God's way is coming. Have a foretaste of it. We're not meant to be living in a broken, messed up world. There's not meant to be blindness. There's not meant to be sickness. And just a taste of what is coming right here, Jesus is giving to people and they're, they're flocking to him because this news of the kingdom is not just somebody saying there's a kingdom coming, but Jesus was showing it. And I sometimes wonder why today in our church we don't see as much of the kingdom being shown. Remember what did the apostles say? Paul said he didn't come just with speaking but with a display of the Spirit's power. We need to be asking God for that, I think, that, that God would be showing the kingdom. And that, that's one of the reasons why we pray for people like Debbie. One of the reasons we pray for, for, for him. Of course, we then don't take notice when God does an amazing miracle and gives remission. You were a bit put out. Nothing's impossible. Here are people coming to Jesus in their droves because they're experiencing something of the kingdom. And, and the reason I switched from the New Living Translation to the NIV is because the New Living Translation, I don't like the way it does that transition at chapter 5. It says, One day when Jesus saw the crowds, 
And it's not one day when Jesus saw the crowds. It's, it, it's when Jesus saw the crowds that were there, hearing Him, experiencing the kingdom, he, what does He do? He doesn't just say, okay, now you've done that bit, now come over here, we're going to do this bit. He says, no, I want to get you guys. And I want to bring you up. And they follow him up on the mountain. He's talking to his disciples. The crowd is listening in. And he wants them, those who have experienced something of the kingdom, he wants them to hear what he's saying. It's important we don't divorce the crowds coming to Jesus to the Sermon on the Mount. And it's tempting to do it because the Sermon on the Mount is a nice unit of work. And it's nicely delineated, top and bottom, and nicely put together. And Matthew's done a great job structuring things. But I think he wants us to put the two together. And before Jesus starts describing in the sermon what a life in keeping with the kingdom looks like, and that's what the Sermon on the Mount is going to be doing, saying, well, what does it look like to live in the kingdom of God? Uh, how should we be living that? Uh, uh, Jesus has this bit about who the people are that are blessed. Uh, and I think... Maybe a nice way to just translate blessed is fortunate. You might have heard happy, but I think fortunate is better. Fortunate are. And there's a little bit more there because blessed involves an agent. Someone blesses. Made fortunate. Let's say made fortunate are those. And and I believe my, my thesis here is that Jesus doesn't say these people are made fortunate because of their circumstances or even because of any virtue within themselves. I believe what Jesus is saying as he looks upon these people where the kingdom of God has had an impact, he's saying to them, God has made you fortunate because the kingdom of God is drawn near. And God's kingdom is turning everything upside down. Uh, has anyone read the bulletin? The front page? You, you might have read a story on it about Mark and Peter. Last year sometime I did something very silly. I left my wallet at home and I drove all the way to Hall's Head Dome and I got all the way there and I realized I didn't have my wallet. And then I went, I think I even went to the car and it wasn't in the car and then they were all about to order and I was sidling off to drive all the way to the ATM 15 minutes away to try and get some carpets cash out. Lovely Commonwealth Bank, but what a nuisance. Uh, and Mark turns me and pulls out this uh, dome voucher and gives me the dome voucher to buy myself a What was it? It was a ham and cheese croissant. And then Peter looks at me and says, Are you only having that? And then he buys me a cup of coffee. Isn't that nice of them? It was probably a tea in Orange Pico. That does sound a bit more like me. Peter, I just take it. Mark, I tried to play back. Pretty sure I tried to play back. You did stop. It's story. At least in my story, you stopped. Let's hope I got it right. I find it so much easier to give grace to somebody else than to accept it. Uh, see the thing is Mark didn't actually owe me any breakfast and Peter didn't owe me any orange pico tea I mean life doesn't life work on a quid pro quo basis uh, even conversations we're told that, that if you want to uh, engage in conversation I have to add credit to the conversation so that you can add credit back uh, 
Uh, how are you doing? I'm well, how are you? I'm well, thank you. What are you doing? I'm doing this. What are you doing? Good pro quo kind of thing. That's just how life works. And, and I think what we tend to do is we, is we, we think that God is like us. There's a famous saying that says, God made man in his image and we've returned the favor. That we think God works the way we work. And we even think that when we come to a passage like this about who are ma- th- those who are made fortunate, about the Beatitudes, about those that God blesses. Uh, because, think about it, there must be some reason why God would make certain people fortunate. Why does God make certain people blessed? Why does he bless them? And, and, and I think quite often we tend to assume that he blesses because they must in some way have deserved it. We don't actually go out to say it like this, but, but when we boil it down, that's what it comes down to. Ow. That's what it comes down to. Um, many of you will have heard sermons, possibly even from me, in years past, that that is exactly what Jesus is saying here. That, that when we read the Beatitudes, that Jesus is laying conditions on us for God's blessing us. If you want to inherit the earth, what do you have to be? You have to be meek. If you want to have the kingdom of God, well, good news, you have two options. Even if you be poor in spirit, Attitudes. That's how we read these blessings. Uh, I, I've, I've read many commentaries that read it that way. I've listened to many sermons that read it that way. And, and the thing is, all these people speak about God's grace, but if we read the Beatitudes that way, it's got nothing to do with grace. In fact, if you read Luke's uh, Sermon on the Plain, slightly different sermon, I think, possibly, uh, because it's on a plain and not a mountain. Uh, very similar thing, and, and in Luke's version, there are some blessed R's, and they're coupled with woes. So if you are poor, you're blessed, but if you're rich, bad luck. And it's kind of, well, you're one or the other. So if you want to be blessed, you get it better, get poor. If we take it to its logical conclusion. Does Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, the starting bit here, does it boil down to a simple, you get what's coming to you? And if it does, and, and I've heard sermons, and I, has anyone heard a sermon like that? Wow. I've heard many sermons like that. In fact, it was disturbing how many sermons like that I heard. At what level of poverty of spirit do you have to be in order to get the kingdom of God? How meek do you have to be to inherit the earth? Wouldn't it be terrible if one day you got, Jesus came back and he looked at you and he said, I'm so sorry Reggie, if you had been just that smooch in your head would inherit the earth, all you get is off. Wouldn't it be terrible? And we've taken all the good people out, they get the earth. <laughs> you know, even, even some of our translations assume that Jesus is giving us a how to be blessed. This. 
Because that's the way we like to think that God works, because that's the way we work. And the New Living Translation, unfortunately, is one of those that gets it wrong here. Uh, literally, the first uh, beatitude is, Blessed are those who are poor in spirit, uh, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. But the New Living Translation uh, does something which most, well, which the sermons that I've listened to tend to do something similar with the first beatitude. Uh, the New Living Translation just puts it in the text. It says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, do you notice something about that translation? It's not poor in spirit, it's poor as in physically poor, but there's something else in it. Spiritually poor? Uh, so, have a listen. Uh, God blesses those who... Um, let me read it for you. God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for Him. The, the, the thing that you might not notice there... There's nothing, Jesus is nothing about realizing your need for God. Now, you, you will get a sermon quite often, and the pastor will go, bless the poor and sick. Now, that means those who realize that they need God. Hey, it's wonderful to realize that you need God, and you need to realize that you need God. But Jesus isn't saying anything about realizing that you need God. If Jesus wanted to say, blessed are those who realize that they need God, Jesus would have said, blessed are those who realize that they need God. But he doesn't. And we put it in our translations because that's what we've been preaching for so long. Because we assume that if, if God's going to bless us, there's got to be a reason to bless us. What, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, it's not a good thing to be poor in spirit. Now some of you will have heard sermons saying you should be poor in spirit. Rubbish! There's never enough. And there's never enough. You can always be poorer. <laughs> um, being poor in spirit means to be spiritually bankrupt. To be poor in spirit means that you just don't get your faith completely. To be poor in spirit means that you have times of doubt. To be poor in spirit means that you question. To be poor in spirit means that you stumble and fall. To be poor in spirit means that sometimes you mess up. Uh, to be poor in spirit means that, that perhaps you just don't get religion, but, but this is Jesus like, uh, I don't know. But uh, uh, To be poor in spirit is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. Has anyone ever put their bank into overdraft? Isn't it wonderful when you put your bank into overdraft and the bank sends you next day, Congratulations! You are poor! And you go, yes! Your bank doesn't congratulate you for going into overdraft if they send you a bill for going into overdraft. It's horrible stuff. But at least they contact you. At least they contact you, but it's not a well done. It's not like Jesus comes and says, well, banks don't send you a well done, but hey, if you're poor in spirit, if you're religiously bankrupt, congratulations. That's stupid. And so we go, well, obviously God's not going to bless us. He's not going to congratulate us to be poor in spirit. So there must be something that he wants to congratulate us for, bless us and make us favored. Um, so it must be that we realize it. And so we take something really bad and we go, but I know it. And then God goes, yes, you do, congratulations. Now I'm going to bless you and give you the kingdom because you know that you don't deserve it. Hey, it's a good thing to realize how much we need God, but it's not what Jesus said. 
But we want Jesus to say something that makes sense of what God says. That's why we either translate it or we excuse it and say, well, it means realizing. It means us coming to a point where we come to know how much we need God. It's all about me. But Jesus starts by saying, no, those who are made favorable are those who are pathetic, who are bankrupt. Whether they realize it or not. If the Beatitudes are conditions for getting blessed by God, as in you have to be poor in spirit, you have to be meek if you want to get blessed, if they are conditions for God blessing us, then this is not the gospel, this is not good news, this is law. This is law. If you want to be in the kingdom of God, if you want to be under God's rule, well then you better be like this. And this is how we preach this passage, because, because that's how it must work. Surely, this is how it must work. Because although we say we believe in grace, we, we don't actually like getting it. Maybe, however, this is a back door into God's kingdom. Isn't that nice? Jesus starts his Sermon on the Mount, which is going to have all sorts of things like, your, your righteousness must exceed that of the Pharisees and... And, and hey, if you look wrongly at someone, you're in trouble. And if you even call someone an idiot, you're in trouble, not, let alone murder them. Jesus is going to give us these incredible things about what the kingdom life looks like. But right at the start, he goes, well, that's really tough, so I'm going to give you an alternative route. I mean, the blessings he describes are incredible. And the blessings are the kingdom of heaven, uh, being comforted, the whole earth, justice, uh, being shown mercy. Seeing God, being called children of God, having the kingdom of God. These are incredible blessings. But John 14, verse 6, Jesus says, um, I think verse before he says something like, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father but through me. Except if you listen to the Beatitudes and do the right things. Because if you do that, well, you get into the kingdom, don't you? I mean, all we have to do to be blessed by God with the kingdom and the earth and all sorts of other nice things is to do what Jesus says over here. And once we've done that, we can forget about Jesus because we don't really need him. You don't need Jesus to realize that you're spiritually bankrupt. You don't need Jesus to be meek. Hey, trust me, I, I find being meek difficult. But you can try and you can be fairly meek. There are meek people in the world who are not Christians. There are humble people in the world who are not Christians. There are people in the world, forget about that, there are people in the world who are persecuted who are not Christians. They don't even have to do anything. Just by circumstance, they, they, they get blessed. If, if, if Jesus was using the Beatitudes as instructions for how to get blessed by God, then 
Jesus was teaching salvation by works or even salvation by circumstances because if you happen to stand up for what's right and you happen to get affected by that, you just happen to get entry. Isn't that wonderful? Now Bradley Manning, who's now Chelsea Manning, the, the guy who leaked a whole bunch of stuff to WikiLeaks, including the uh, helicopter attacks of civilians and news reporters in Iraq, he stood up, uh, right or wrong, whether he shouldn't have done it or not, you can make a case that he stood up for what was right, he released that information, he, he showed the evil that was happening, and he was thrown in jail for that, he was persecuted for doing arguably the right thing. Does that mean that he gets a free pass at the pearly gates? He has the opportunity to be blessed. But if we read this as how to get blessed and how to get into the kingdom, we've got to say, yes, you get a, you get a free ticket. But you can't. But by the way, if you're going away here going, I have to be like this, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. I'm saying we can't read it that way. It's not how to get blessed, but who it is that God blesses. You know, in this whole passage, there are only two commands. There are only two things that Jesus says, do this. And they come right at the end with the, with the one beatitude, the one uh, made favorable that, that is slightly different to the others where it says, uh, made favorable are those when you are insulted and mocked and persecuted because of my sake. And, and there, there is a reward and it's great. And, 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 and there, Jesus says, rejoice, be glad. That's the only time Jesus says to do something. He doesn't say be meek. He doesn't say be poor. He doesn't say uh, be persecuted. He just says rejoice and be glad. And don't rejoice and be glad because of your circumstances or because you're such a wonderful person. Rejoice and be glad because what the kingdom of God is doing. Jesus doesn't call us to be like these people. He's just addressing the people in front of him. He's looking at the crowds and he's saying you can be blessed and you can be blessed. And you can be blessed. And you are blessed in the kingdom of God. He was speaking to real people who had really experienced God's kingdom in him. And I believe Jesus' point is that nobody is beyond God's blessing when God's kingdom comes. Whether you are spiritually bankrupt, or whether you are pure in heart, or whether you're persecuted, you are blessed in the kingdom of God. And the only condition is in 4 verse 17. Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. Turn to God. Accept the King. John uh, chapter 6, Jesus says you have to believe in, in the one that God sent. That's all you have to do. That, that, that's that. But, but God's kingdom brings blessing. Whether you accept it or not, I might choose to bless you with a free meal. Mark might say, I'm going to give you breakfast at Dominic. And I might turn to Mark and go, I don't like you. I'm not going to take that from you. And whether Mark buys the meal or not, it's not going to actually bless me, even though he has blessed me. It's just going to sit there. It's going to be meaningless. When God's kingdom come, it brings blessing that is available for all. But if we don't accept it, what's the point? But what Jesus is saying is God's kingdom brings blessing to all sorts of people. I mean... Let's just quickly go through it. How's our time going? The spiritually bankrupt, those who, who struggle, who, who struggle to trust God, who doubt. Um, you know who the spiritually bankrupt look like? Peter, James, John, 12 apostles, Fran, myself, maybe yourself. And don't they sit and go, oh, I can be like that too. 
hey, if you're not spiritually bankrupt, jealous much. Because it's not a good place to be. And the good thing is, God, God can build riches in our lives. He took Peter from being a fisherman, a denier, ear chopper, to being the foundation of the church. But he started out very spiritually bankrupt. Those who can't get the kingdom of God are blessed in the kingdom because the kingdom comes to them. The mourners, and, and this could be mourning over sin in the world or sin in my life and feeling so desperate. You might have heard a servant going, you have to be sorry about the bad things that you've done. And that's good advice. Be sorry about the bad things that you've done. But don't stay there. Don't go, I have to keep on being sorry. But actually, if you think about what does mourning mean, the, the, the basic definition of mourning is grieving. And Jesus is looking at this crowd and there's some people there who have lost loved ones and, and who have had terrible things happen to them. And he's saying, blessed are you, made favorable are you who are mourning. Why? Because the kingdom of God is coming into you, into this place. The kingdom of God is coming and there will be comfort. The kingdom of God's turning things upside down or right side up and bringing comfort where there was mourning. And God will wipe away every tear from your eyes. The meek. Meekness can be a good thing, but it also can be a bad thing. The unassertive ones. The ones who don't stand up for their own rights. The ones perhaps who are always putting others first to their own detriment and so miss out on, on the good things in this world. And, and Jesus says, hey, you the meek, the meek who are always putting other people first, who, who perhaps are missing out, when God's kingdom comes, you're going to inherit the earth. God wants everyone to be blessed, including you meek ones. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, or another way to translate righteousness is justice. Those who long for things to be the way it should be, perhaps who cringe at their own sinfulness or that of the world around them, but, 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 but those who long for things to be right. And Jesus says, well, God's kingdom comes and you are made fortunate because you're longing for rightness, you're longing for justice. It will be satisfied in the kingdom of God. Blessed, made fortunate are the pure in heart, those who, who long with all of their beings to be right with God. Uh, not to be right with God, but to please God. Dallas Willard, who I've uh, drawn a lot from uh, for this uh, sermon today, he, he suggests that perhaps the pure in heart might be the perfectionists. Those who have a pure heart who want everything to be exactly as it should be, but they live in a sinful world and so it's not, and they're harsh on you because, hey, you're doing the wrong thing, and they're harsh on themselves because, hey, they can't live up to their pure hearts. Maybe, maybe that's right. Maybe it's just that they long to please God and they long for the world to please God. Uh, and, and Jesus says, hey, when God's kingdom breaks through, you will be blessed, you will be made fortunate because what your heart most longs for it can only be satisfied by God, by seeing God. What he goes on, he says, the peacemakers. Uh, making peace is a good, godly thing. It's a, it's, hey, be peacemakers. I, I believe that's a challenge of God elsewhere in Scripture. But, but being a peacemaker doesn't exactly make you beloved. Has anyone here made peace, uh, being a peacemaker between two parties who've been really angry at each other? How often does the peacemaker sit in the middle and go, this is such a comfortable spot? <laughs> You get hated on by both sides. 
And God says, oh, in God's kingdom, wow, family resemblance is amazing. Blessed, 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 blessed. Made fortunate, made fortunate. Those who are persecuted for doing the right thing. I mean, lives can be ruined for standing up for what is right. Um, I read a story about a Zimbabwe pastor who was arrested for calling out corruption in his country. I think he was a pastor, but we can lose it all for standing up for what is right. And Jesus says, but God's kingdom is for people just like that. You're not going to lose it all, you're going to get it all. And then the last one, those insulted and persecuted and lied about for taking up with Jesus. And it wasn't long until this is exactly what was happening. Saul, soon to become Paul, standing holding coats while people were killed, doing God a favor because of these horrible, pathetic Christians. And there is a reward here. We're not told what the reward is specifically, but, but we're told to rejoice and be glad because in the kingdom of God, it's worth it. By the way, we're not told to go out and be persecuted. We're told that if it happens, to rejoice in it. And even there, there are some people who when they are treated like this, they wither and they reject God. And they reject His blessing. But the point of Jesus' blessings here is that when God's kingdom comes, speaking to people who experience something like in their lives, and the person next to them who used to be blamed, but is now standing in God's head, gee, while Jesus is speaking. Jesus is saying to them, I believe, and saying to us, in God's kingdom, this upside down world is turned right side up, and what is wrong is made right, and there can only be complete fulfillment of the way things should be in the kingdom of God and that's where you are blessed no matter who you are no matter where you're from no matter what you've done no matter your circumstances no matter whether you're a good person or a bad person you come to the kingdom of God and there is blessing blessing, 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 blessing blessing, blessing. blessing. I mean some of the people here are great role models being a peacemaker is good. Being meek, uh, there's, there's some argument that we should be meek. We should put others first, just like Jesus. But Jesus isn't interested here in telling us how to act. Jesus is telling us about what God does, how God acts. Jesus is telling us about grace. And yes, there's a call for us to live lives worthy of the kingdom. And Jesus is going to come to that. But... But right from the start, before he gets to that, he says, hey, it starts with God making you favored. It starts with grace. It's breakfast without being owed breakfast. It's, it's life without being worthy of it. And the kingdom of God can transform anyone and everyone, and God's blessing is available to anyone and everyone. Perhaps... I mean, the, the Beatitudes are timeless, but we can add to it. Jesus might say, uh, made fortunate are the refugees and those sleeping on the streets because in my Father's house there are many rooms. 
Blessed are the abused and the maltreated because God will bring justice and new life. Blessed are the druggies because God will give the satisfaction that you never can find. Blessed are the dull bludgers because you can find a purpose in God's kingdom. Blessed are the politicians and the car dealers because there is a a kingdom where you will be honest. Where God will, will bless you. And people will appreciate you and not think that you're terrible. Blessed are the pastors. Blessed are the immoral. Because God can turn your life around. Blessed are the abusers. Because God gives you a chance for a new start in His kingdom. And forgiveness. Blessed are the upright. Because you will see the Father. No matter who you are in God's kingdom, there is life and there is life set right. And some of you might have listened to some of those people that I mentioned and go, no, that's not right, Nick. We're not going to bless them. And if we do that, we've missed the point of the attitude entirely. Because Jesus isn't listing the people who make a certain criteria. He's listing everyone. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul mentions what sort of people were in the church in Corinth. And it's an interesting list. Paul says... Don't you realize that those who do wrong, verse 9, will not inherit the kingdom of God? And that's those who continue to do wrong, I believe. Don't fool yourselves. Those who indulge in sexual sin or who worship idols or commit adultery or are male prostitutes or practice homosexuality or are thieves or greedy people or drunkards or abusive or cheat people, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. And you read that and go, well, you're wrong, Nick. Those people aren't blessed. Well, I'm sorry they are this. Jesus turns to those people and says, you are made favorable when the kingdom of God comes on you. And do you know how I know that? Because I read the next verse which says, some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. And when that happens, you, all those people, you are blessed because God's kingdom is broken into your life and turned what is upside down and messy and turn it right way up and God's kingdom is coming. And when God's kingdom comes in your life, there is blessing and you are made faithful no matter who you are, no matter what you've done. When God's kingdom comes, there is blessing. I think I said blessing a hundred thousand times this morning. But the point is, you might get it. Hands up if you're blessed by God. Hands up if, if you deserve to be blessed by God. And it's it's all about grace. My brothers and sisters, I, I really could have summarized this passage in five five or six words. You don't deserve that God gives it to you, that makes it a blessing. Amen. But I have to explain it because we want God to bless us for a reason. 
We don't like getting given grace. We like talking about getting grace, but, but we don't like, or maybe you're different. I like giving grace, and find it a lot harder to give. I happily pay for Mark to have a meal, but if he pays a meal for me, I want to give him a meal the next week because now I owe him. God doesn't work like that. God comes to us as we are, whether you are pure in heart or spiritually bankrupt, and God says, The kingdom of God is here. You repent and believe good news. Blessing, 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 blessing. The fortune of Just as we are without one plea, that, but that your blood has paid for me, we come. We're going to sing our last song. Um, wow, we've gone a bit over time, but we're going to sing our last song, Just As I Am. And we'll just sing it straight through, Pam. As I am